En winter area para o mejor camino. I think is how you say wow. that. <laughs> and welcome to oh. Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. Portuguese, very difficult for me. Uh, Danny O'Dwyer. Hola, uh, uh, mina amiga. How are you doing, my friend? Is that... Obrigado. There, there you go. Uh, <laughs> the phrase at the top was uh, Portuguese for, this is too much sand for my truck. Okay. Uh-huh. Is this a reference uh, to me, or, or is this a reference <laughs> to the race? Not, I was away last a, week in my truck. Uh, it is apparently an idiomatic expression for saying something is more than you can handle. That's pretty good. Uh, Too much sound in my truck. I like that. Yeah. And since F1 hasn't been to Portugal uh, in a while, maybe yeah. appropriate for some teams and drivers. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing all right. Thanks for uh, letting me off the hook last week. I took a couple of yeah. days off and went up into the uh, Stanislaus National Forest. Uh, went camping. Did some did some some sleeping in the back of my Wrangler, um, <laughs> which I've set up as a sort of a traveling uh, bed, um, which has uh, been cool. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to going up there a little bit more um, over the winter as well. Get some maybe get some uh, chains on that beast and head yeah. up there. Um, I've never done much of that stuff like that. You spent some time in Tahoe. Have you ever done the Christmas in Tahoe thing? Oh, yeah. I love it. I guess Ta- So I'm looking at Christmas in Tahoe, and I'm looking at Christmas in Yosemite. <laughs> and Ooh. those are two very different experiences by the look of it. One of yeah. them is like, people go there, and it's you know quite festival and outdoor and lovely. And the other one is, yo, dude, you're going to be able to get out of here once Christmas is over. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I got my adventure. My adventure goggles are on now and I haven't had uh, the scary experience to reset me. So I'm kind of looking at doing all kinds of manner of city things. Although I will say my DMV hell is finally over. I officially yesterday got my California license. It only took about a year to solve the whole thing. So that was great. Um, Congratulations. Thank you, uh, which is great because I didn't have my old Maryland license anymore because that was stolen by the meth car people. So mm. 2020, man, it's been a fun one. Sure has. Uh, Rob Zachney is on assignment this week. Um, but if uh, you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we've got an episode just for you. We have a primer episode, uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explain how the sport works uh, and who everybody is so if you'd like to listen to that it is episode 96 also the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift f1 where uh, every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films f1 video games priors uh primers for other racing series that is and uh, a lot of weird things so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that uh head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes we haven't really discussed what we're doing uh this month no i feel like we this month kind of decided on, us, on something it? yet yeah. yeah it's kind of just like it kind of happened we did we did a kind of i would say a traditional one last month in the documentary senna we kind of went a bit off the range <laughs> for some of the <laughs> stuff in the previous months over the summer uh, the, it being the year that it is uh so yeah i'm interested to, i don't know what we're gonna do i'm sure we'll figure it out and probably record it next week but yeah uh, we if you become a patron ideas. you get access to all of the old ones too so if you if you want hours and hours of film reviews and stuff uh go go sign up help us out and and go binge yeah uh before we get to portugal however there is a small bit of news there's really nothing going on i feel like uh it's sort of a it's it's the lull where 
driver announcements haven't been made yet and mm. uh, you know the season's sort of winding down but next season stuff hasn't been announced yet so um a little bit of a follow-up from what we we're talking about uh previously with honda getting out of formula one after 2021 um and where that leaves red bull um yeah. I, I think in the rules as we've discussed uh renault would be uh obliged to sell red bull an engine um per the rules but one of the options is Honda actually said that, you know, they would just give all of their blueprints Specs. and technology and everything yeah. to Red Bull saying like, hey, if you want to make your own engine, uh, go for it. But of course, that is a really expensive proposition. And Red, Red Bull is not an engine manufacturer. Exactly. Um, it kind of fundamentally changes their relationship with the sport. It really does, because that is like a, a much more of an investment. Um, but uh, there's been a, a little more detail, I think, on how that would look. And Red Bull has basically said that they'd be up for that if um, Formula One were to freeze engine development uh, from 2022 onward. So basically, they would they uh. would make an engine for 2022 and then not have to spend any money improving it because the way that it normally goes is that uh, you know an engine specification is released by formula one and then every year the engine manufacturers can make upgrades to it uh, and all of that r d is expensive and so red bull's like well we'll make our engine but we don't want to spend you know r d improving it but yeah uh, i personally don't see this happening i don't think red uh formula one would go for that because that's that's if we're looking at 2026 for new regulations um that's four years of basically static engines so that doesn't i don't see that happening yeah it's a big ask and i wonder why they're saying it like i wonder are they asking for the the mountain so they can get a hill you know what i mean yeah um, I, I, it's probably posturing so that they can i don't know get a cheaper yeah, yeah that's what i'm wondering i don't know yeah because i i totally understand the desire for them not to basically dig themselves a money pit because that's what so much of this engine stuff can be like if you're if if your engine is doing well then it then it feels like your investment is paying dividends but if an engine is doing poorly it's kind of like pouring gasoline on a fire sometimes like it's 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 very and and it's like if you've been following f1 long enough you know that like engines never get fixed overnight it mm -hmm. takes months and years often to to right the sort of wrongs that you have certainly a season so i can totally understand like and and this is so delicate because we've already lost an engine supplier there's always been fear around losing teams um red bull is kind of like a load-bearing team in that they bridge the gap a little bit between where mercedes is and where some of the mid-pack are and if you lose them from it then like if i was running f1 right now i'd be a little bit worried especially given the economic climate as well um of uh of any other teams leaving so i can imagine that being part of this posturing where it's like all right we'll stretch ourselves here maybe but there's other ways in which we want you to maybe molly coddle us in the future it's strange it's such a strange time and like you said we're kind of in this weird little hazy season between the end of one season and the 
you know, we're sort of sundowning on 2020 at the moment and, and looking ahead a bit and no, no mad decisions are going to get made, but it's definitely setting the tone for the, the postseason. Yeah, so I guess sort of along similar lines, the the proposed um, big change to the, um, you know, the card design was supposed to come in 2021, but because of the coronavirus, that kind of messed everybody's schedules up. So Formula One uh, moved it to 2022. Uh, but that means that teams weren't really, you know, expecting that. So the 2021 cars are going to be pretty similar to the 2020 cars. Um, although Formula One is allowing for some changes, some upgrades uh, to the cars to be made. And they're doing it in this, uh, it's, a, it's a token system. So to sort of curb costs um, and, and prevent teams from being able to or having to uh, spend a lot of money to upgrade from 2020 to 2021. Uh, they have these uh, the system called tokens where you could spend both of your tokens to make a big upgrade in one area or mm. um, two smaller upgrades in two different areas. So for example, uh, Ferrari for next year is choosing to spend both of their tokens on the rear end of their car um, to uh, to upgrade it and hopefully, you know, curb some of their losses from this year. Um, but there's an interesting wrinkle here because teams like Racing Point, who were using 2019 parts in their 2020 car this year, okay. will be able to upgrade on their 2021 car to using 2020 parts from uh, uh from right. mercedes without expending a token so the tokens are only supposed to be uh for new parts so racing point basically gets to upgrade uh to this year's mercedes parts in next year's car for free and then spend their tokens somewhere else which has rankled uh a few of uh, the other teams mm. so look for, yeah. look for that i guess regulations uh and the final thing i have here danny you uh, after reading the headline know as much about this than me so do you want to take uh this one <laughs> sure extreme e will set poll uh will set the poll with fan voting so i've been doing a little bit of uh a reading on this in the in the uh in the interim here um yeah i'm you know i'm a big fan of of the gamification of open real racing and mm-hmm. it looks like uh with grid play, uh, Extreme E is uh, is really going for it. So Extreme E, if you remember, is sort of uh, is it Alejandro Agag's latest uh, fever dream, which is basically a uh, an electric rally cross, I guess, uh, series kind of. I think it's point to point racing. They're electric SUVs. Um, I think they're circuits. I think it's oh, they are two circuits? laps of like a sixteen kilometer course. Cool. So it's like. Uh, doing uh, a spa doing the the Nordschleife or something like that sure. as, as Nürburgring um but it's all and you road. switch drivers it's a it's a um a male and female driver and they swap oh very cool um yeah. is there a co-driver it being rally yeah sort of style okay cool yeah that's awesome. I think they just change seats so for uh of course um uh, Lewis Hamilton has a team in this as well um it looks interesting I like the idea of uh 
you know, <laughs> off-road electric cars, like, sure, that's this all sounds really cool. Um, but so they've added this thing in called uh, gr- ex- uh, Grid Play from Extreme E. I'm going to um, read off the bit from the website here because it sounds bananas. Uh, Extreme E, the innovative new off-road racing series, today announces Grid Play, a new fan engagement concept which allows the team with the most votes to select their spot on the starting line for the final race. Engaging with fans is a key priority for Extreme E, which is why it is enlisting fan voting so viewers can select their favorite competitors. The team with the most votes will be able to choose their spot in the grid, and for those who don't make the final race, they can gift their votes to their preferred opponent. The remainder Wait, of the this grid. Is... Sorry, it's only for the final race? Uh, that don't make the final race. I would have thought by final race they mean if they don't qualify for the race on the weekend. Oh, interesting. Is that what it, is that what it means? Like if they don't get to the race? Yeah, unclear. Yeah, like the race being the finality of a race weekend. I don't know, actually. That's a good point. Um, the remainder of the grid is decided by points from the previous races that weekend. Okay, yeah, so it's a multi-race. So the sort of qualifying ah. for the final race is... Uh, is deemed by the previous ones, kind of like F2 or okay. uh, with the sprint stuff or whatever. Um, here's a quote from Alejandro Agag himself. Uh, As a series, we are looking for innovative ways to engage fans, making them feel part of extreme. All of this sounds exactly like what they did with Fan Boost in, in, form, in Formula E, where they're yeah. like, okay, we're going to add in this, this boost button thing and it's going to be voted on by fans. Or like the biggest engagement you get on an F1 weekend is the driver of the weekend, right? Or driver, driver of the day. Um, right. So they're kind of adding that in. But he says, um, uh, we want them to have a voice when it comes to racing, particularly as we won't have spectators on site as part of our sustainability endeavors. This ma- the this makes the way we broadcast our championship even more important. And people can watch the actions on a variety of global channels uh, and through their digital-only platforms. Um, there was another uh, quick little one here um, from Matthias uh, Ekstrom, uh, who drives for ABT, uh, or sorry, Abt, um, says... Um, I already love grid play, unlike in World RX, World Rallycross, uh, where your starting position is decided by pure luck. In Extreme E, the fans make the decision. I was looking up, how does World Rallycross do their qualifying? It's by uh, yeah, pure I, luck. I didn't know that. So I looked <laughs> I, up I don't know there, if that's an exaggeration or what, but... I think it might be. Maybe he's referring to the Joker lap, I don't where they add in a bit where you have to go off course for like one turn or something like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but I found that funny. So I, I I guess qualifying maybe in these is, let's okay, I think the most important thing to say about this is I don't think track position is as key as it is in Formula One. <laughs> this is a, yeah. a this, it's a long you know, it's this is more like rally where it's you know, I'm sure it matters for something, but it's not like you're gonna be stuck in someone's dirty air a lot in rally <laughs> in like a rally thing. Well, it will be dirty, but it'll just be because it's full yeah. of dirt. That's a good point. You're just stuck in their in their mud wake as they're spewing. Uh, does that mean that the person at the it's front great... uses less wiper fluid or something? Should you <laughs> yeah. use wiper fluid during the race to like l- make your car lighter? <laughs> um, yeah, I like. Sure, I thought it was like... funny that they said that uh, the winner of the grid play vote gets to choose their grid position. It's so funny. I love that because maybe last is the best way to be. Maybe you want to be, you know. Let them all crash and then. <laughs> no, I really like the idea that they can vote for someone else. Like if, if you can neg someone really hard, like if you're like going for the championship but you qualify poorly, or or you you know you you you're you want someone else that you you like you put someone who like really hates the driver number one as number two <laughs> as your spot <laughs> just so they're like uh, I don't know I like the the collusion 
possibilities that are that are it opens it up to. Um, yeah, sure. I feel like where we've softened to a lot of these things. If you said this four, four five, six years ago, it would have been like this is this the purity of the sport is is under under assault. But you know, they, we we've sort of got, gotten used to this, especially in Alejandro Gag's world, where you know we've seen so much change in Formula E even during its lifetime. You know, you mentioning swapping drivers again, like, huh? Why are they doing that as part of a diversity initiative? Or are they doing that as part of a get more drivers involved? Are they doing that because they have to change the batteries in the cars? So they just swap cars? Do you have any idea? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's, um, I think it was a, it's built into the rules as a, I think as a, as a diversity measure. Right. But it's not like they're swapping cars like the other one. Like if I it's don't, two laps. I don't know. I don't think so. I would, I would hope that they, that would probably seem counter to the, yeah, I don't know. Especially how far Formula E's come. It, you know, those cars drove for surety longer than that before they stopped. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm interested to see. Extreme yeah. E coming at you like Cleopatra. Is it starting next year? I think it might be. I think it is too. <laughs> we're we're going to be waiting for Robo Race until the end of time. In That's the meantime, true. Extreme E just pops up and is like, "We're good." Oh, and what Let's was go. the uh, what's the boat one now? Oh yeah, uh, Extreme Boat. No, it's got a race. <laughs> Extreme B. It, you know what this is like? This is like remember when Track Mania came out and then they said we're going to make Shoot Mania and Quest Mania. Uh-huh. This is kind of like what it's like. Where there's just as too many now. We've like we've gone off the range with with the. Uh, Electric racing. I can't even Google it. If I type in electric boat race. Oh, no, here it is. I know I retweeted it. It's it's something that there's no water or boat or anything in the title. It's like... Yeah. F, like F... <laughs> E1. E1. Yes, E1 there it's you called. Go. E1 is like Formula E but with boats is, is the yeah. top line on this article. And I think that's all you need to read. <laughs> I think that's, that's all the information we have, that's frankly. The, yeah, exactly. Electric boats, watch out. Make sure to ground all your cables. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of unknown futures, I did want to give sort of an update here on the the driver market. Um, there are a lot of uh, unconfirmed... I feel like I should play the eShop music here or something. <laughs> <laughs> unconfirmed drivers so far. I mean, uh, Lewis Hamilton technically unconfirmed, but come on. Um, I think that the big ones right now are um, Haas. Uh, They have not been locked down. Alfa Romeo has not been locked down. Either drivers in both? Correct. And um, the second driver in Red Bull, Max Verstappen, is is locked, but uh, Alex Albon is not. So last I saw, we are supposed to hear about um, Alex Albon's seat before Turkey which is November 15th. Um, And we should hear about Alfa Romeo's seats um, by the end of the month of October. So be on the lookout for that. Rumors are that uh, Kimi Raikkonen is uh, probably going to keep his seat and a lot more question marks about Giovinazzi. Um, Rumors flying fast and loose about Haas saying either they're going to dump both drivers or they would just dump Magnussen. Uh, although, like, Roman Grosjean's been out there saying, like, you know, I, I'm i pretty interested in this uh, WEC Peugeot thing going on. Right. Uh, this hypercar. What's what's all this about? So, um, yeah, stay tuned 
for that. It's I wild, guess. Man. I mean, Nick Schumacher such a bad in the wings. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of there's a couple of up and comings within him and Callum Eilat. Um I can see Giovinazzi getting pushed out for sure. Um, did you see that video of him and Raikkonen on the Nordschleife? Yeah, it's yes. very funny. Gio's like terrible. He's like a terrible passenger. <laughs> Uh, he's terrified of I, I think he's also scared because he doesn't know the Norwich life which I, I find right. amazing that he's not driven that on like, like maybe he just doesn't do sims or play video games but like everyone knows that track um, yeah so that was kind of funny uh, yeah I don't I'll know Albon is the big sure. question mark he's not done bad enough to, to make it obvious which is what happened with Gasly and Verstappen or with Gasly and um, Kvyat uh, and I don't know if you bring Gasly back up I don't know if but who knows? Because Red Bull make rash decisions all the time. So, but it's such a, it's such a weird one. I feel for yeah, Albon I mean, as well. They've got a pretty uh, um, up hot shot up and comer in Yuki Tsunoda. Yeah, who, God, you've been he's watching so a lot of Formula Two, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, he's just like he makes overtakes happen out of nowhere. Um, super cool. ballsy. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. He's that's the thing. Like F two has like a lot of very good drivers in it um and and ones with like names like like a schumacher like that is who doesn't want to have a schumacher in their team who knows how to drive like that's that's such an easy go and we've 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 not had like the Prost. you know uh we didn't have a prost come through into f1 we didn't there's been a couple of these drivers that have like verstappen is kind of the last of that like James Bond Jr. era of driver <laughs> that is like broken through. I'm probably forgetting someone here. Apologies, but um, Nico Rosberg. Re- yeah, I guess yeah, Nico. Yeah, as well. Um, he's come and gone, but we don't. We haven't had that other one, you know. With this, and there's been a couple. Even I guess Bruno Senna for a while there was a uh, was in the mix. But um, yeah, I think the Schumacher name is. You know, we talk about Hamilton beating all those records. Schumacher's name is is the cl- no one will be Senna. We kind of said that in the podcast review we did, but I think if you're talking about the next name, it's probably Schumacher when it comes to like having that effect on people inside F1 and outside F1. Um, Hamilton will yeah, be there probably I- when he retires, but but yeah, it's a it's a big one. Certainly in terms of interest and maybe sponsor interest, you know, yeah. uh, name recognition. Um, I, again, you've watched more, more Formula Two than me. Has he exactly torn it up in the way that a lot of people were hoping? I think he had a not a great start to this season necessarily. He was basically closing the gap on Eilat for a lot of the past couple of races. Um, he's had a good run recently, I think. Um, he's in a decent car too. Uh, I mean, there's you know stock, but like there there is differences between them. Um, yeah, so he's uh, he hasn't been like dominating or anything like that, but the pressure has been on him a lot over the past few races, and he has delivered a lot recently. So I think he 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 chose a good time in the season to maybe like shine his brightest because this is you know the latter half of the F one season is when they start looking um, into the the lower divisions. Um, yeah, but it, it's you know it's a toss up between him and Eilat who actually is the better driver. Right? It's not like either of them is is pushing through. And and like I said, there's other ones in there who are like like Yuka Sonoda and, and some other drivers who are also um, showing uh, uh, rare talent. It's good. It's good. F two is interesting because you have that. You've got like oh they're going to be an F one, and then you have people who are like oh how did you get an F two? <laughs> and they're all kind of mixed in. So it's um it's been good. Yeah, but 
yeah, I wouldn't say he's a shoe in necessarily. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody waited. But also, he's the type of driver I think people probably want to get. Um, is he Ferrari Academy driver? Yes. I think which, yeah, so. Yeah, so, so yeah. either either Alfa Romeo or probably Haas for him. Also kind of up in the air is Alfa Tauri. So I think Gasly's probably a lock um, for how yeah. good he's done this year. But Kvyat, who knows? Yeah, you know? could easily go. I, can, I, I, could, I could see, yeah there could you imagine a raikkonen mick schumacher uh combo <laughs> that's that'd be so interesting that's a real that'd be wild uh protege mentor situation yeah i mean raikkonen will have raced with both schumachers then <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe not on the same team but like at the same time as you know uh, yeah, i saw a list of um who was in uh formula one for raikkonen's first race yeah and it's like you know schumacher i think john alacy is there yeah uh david coulthard <laughs> um coulthard had uh, a long coulthard raced a long time like he only retired maybe seven years ago i think he had a kind of a late kind of like michael schumacher had a bit of a late uh retirement maybe came back for a while I'm trying to think Remember remembering he was old when he retired <laughs> for an F1 driver anyway. When was when was when was Raikkonen's first race? Raikkonen looks like such a baby when he's in his first <laughs> races too. Yeah. He looks so young. It's it's funny cuz like I could see no driver changes happening, but just as easily I could see like a bloodbath where yeah. all of these incumbents are gone. I feel bad. I think Magnussen is an interesting one because I think if you're, we were talking about this a couple of months in, and Grosjean was really not having a good time of it. Uh, Magnussen wasn't having a great time either, but Magnussen has really struggled in the past, like for the rest of this season. So I don't, I don't, I feel really bad for him. I think he's, he's had a bit of a nightmare. They both have, and the car's not great, but he's constantly swimming around with those alphas. Um, so yeah, I'm the same as you. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if he ends up disappearing but yeah but Haas has been Haas is like the opposite of Red Bull they just they linger on drivers you could argue that they've lingered on these ones for for too long um yeah I think Nikita Mazepin is uh one of the rumored ones for Haas right from uh Mm. Formula 2 so we shall see I mean silly season is always fun watch Formula 2 watch Formula 2 um well danny that's kind of it for news do you want to oh i found it here for kimmy's uh (laughs) kimmy's teammates here um i don't even know how to pronounce a lot of these names michael schumacher david coltard rubens barrichello nick heidfeld uh heinz harold frenson yep heinz harold frenson yeah uh olivier panis yeah uh luciano berti yeah (laughs) wow Joss Verstappen. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Eddie Irvine, Fernando Alonso, yeah. uh, John Carlo Fisichella, Jensen Button, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, God. Yarno Truly, Mika Hakkinen, Ralph Schumacher, Jacques Villeneuve, uh, and then a couple of Brazilians, Tarso Marques, Enrique Bernoldi, and then um, Gaston Mezzacane. That's an that's an interesting name. Yeah. Listen to these teams though. 
uh, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, which we're coming back to, uh, Sauber, Patronus, Jordan, Honda. Hell yeah. Irish B-A-R team, baby. B-A-R, Honda. <laughs> um, Jaguar, Ford, Cosworth, <laughs> Prost, Acer, Arrows, not- Asia Tech. Yeah, good old Arrows. And, uh, oh, uh, Minardi, European. <laughs> and Benetton Renault. United Colors of Benetton, baby. Boy. Yeah. That's Schumacher very different. was with Benetton for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Trip to memories, old memories. Speaking of, we're going to one this weekend, kind of. Yeah. Let's make some new memories, Danny, at this old track. Yeah. Interesting one, this. The Algarve International Circuit in Portimao. Anyone who's ever gone on holidays in south of Portugal in the Algarve region, very popular spot for uh, Brits and Irish people and German people. Algarve is, I don't know if it's Portuguese, but it means the West, um, because this would have been the West region of the Iberian Peninsula when it was one big chunk of land that had been overtaken. Um uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's essentially sort of an area that was like very poor about fifty or sixty years ago that had a massive boom because of the tourist industry. Um, so you have a lot of towns like Albufeira, Montechoro, big Faro Airport. There is like quadrupled in size over the past twenty, thirty years. Um, I spent a bunch of time down there when I was a, there was a, like the f- the first time I was ever on a plane was a, a, a holiday in in the Algarve. Um, really? And as a result, it's had a lot of these big infrastructural. Uh, projects built there and this was one of them back in sort of 2007 2006 um they started work on this track which was also going to have like all of sort of the amenities around it go-karting for the tourists it would be a weekend track for for people who are coming in to um you know tourists as well i guess stuff like that Uh, it cost 194 million euro um and was finally built in 2008. Uh, it got all the right sort of certification. Um, they used it in winter testing in 2008, 2009. Uh, so there has been F1 cars on this track before, but it was never used for racing. And pretty soon after all this, uh, probably in light of the time of, if you remember the world economy around this time. Um, I do, uh, trying to find a job. Yeah, not great. And in an area of the world which is so reliant on tourism, um, you really, really feel it. So it basically went into administration fairly quickly um, and was bought over by some company that was, I think it was essentially government owned for a while. So it hasn't really been used all that much. It was used in, um, if you remember A1, which was a open wheel... They were stock cars, but it was like international based, so country based. Right. So it ran yeah. for like maybe six or seven years. Um, they were kind of, I think, around the speed of of GP three cars then, so whatever Formula three cars. Um, so you can watch. Uh, I posted a video of a of, of an onboard um, from back in two thousand nine. I think it maybe was. Uh, of of one of these cars and they raced raced on a slightly different configuration i think it had 19 turns instead of the 15 we're gonna get um but you get an idea of how this track uh works it's it's kind of i think the closest thing you can say to is probably austin uh the circuit of the americas or perhaps the nurburgring in that it is a it's a 
a circuit that has like a very um it has a start finish straight or like Bahrain right a start finish straight and then it disappears behind that and then comes back to the start finish straight but it's basically been built into the land that's there so kind of like circuit of the Americas and and uh uh Nurburgring it's quite undulating like it, there's a lot a lot of hills and stuff um when it falls in on itself there's a sort of a little valley it goes into and then it comes out of it again um it's a 15 turn clockwise track 2.9 miles it's quite wide apparently so overtaking sh- hopefully will be possible here uh, attacking into corners and whatnot um shout out to adam carroll irish driver who won the final ever a1 uh, championship the current holders of the a1 is still team ireland which i'm very proud of <laughs> um he has the lap record for the gp circuit which i said again is is not the one that they're going to be racing on an f1 slightly longer um, with a minute and 31. So I don't know what we're going to get with the F1 cars. Quali times probably down in the 115s maybe. Um, especially with the shorter track. We'll have to wait and see. In terms of the, uh, I guess the layout, like what's interesting in it, we basically only have one long start finish straight. There's a slight straight between turns four and five, but it's not very long, especially in an F1 car. And it's also a hill. You kind of go up and down it. Um, yeah, so I saw someone in the, the Shift F1 patron Discord describing the start-finish straight as a mesa. Like, yeah. you, you drive up it and then on top of it, like a table, and then back down for turn one. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It, it's an intense uh, up and down. Like, yeah, it's those very are not strange. shallow um, grades. No, the whole... And, it, from the, and you don't really get a sense of it if you look at the track map, or even if you look at a heli- helicopter shot of it because they've been pumping out some of those it kind of looks like it like same as kota right you look at kota you don't realize how high that turn one is yeah. until you're like looking at it on board or you're there in person um and it's kind of like that here so that's interesting i think because it may- creates different challenges in terms of grip certainly for the cars uh, also like gives you i think it's good as a televisual presentation because that undulating track kind of um I don't know, it's, it, it gives good sight lines and stuff. Kind of a little bit like, um, what was the one we never went to in Holland? Um, uh, Zandvoort. We supposed, Zandvoort, yeah, a little bit like that, where it's kind of it dips and weaves and stuff. Uh, the one turn that I am interested in is Portimao, turn 10 and turn 11. I was looking through all these turns, and a lot of them are, you know, you're not, there's not many 90-degree turns in this, which I always appreciate. Uh, they Lagos. do have some great names here, though. What's your favorite? There's a couple of good uh, ones. Samsung. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Samsung's uh, a little Turn bit 15, much. Gulp. Yeah, I tried to I tried to translate that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's someone's name. We do have a name here. Uh, Craig Jones, the late uh, motorcycle rider who um, passed away. In, he passed away in a crash in Brands Hatch, I want to say. Um, apologies if I got that wrong. I'm pretty sure that's where. Um, I think he also maybe has a statue on the star finish line here. I don't know where the, the connection is there. Um, hmm. But they ha- they do drive here in in, in MotoGP. Uh, they didn't this year, I think, because of COVID. If I'm right, um, it's all very confusing at the moment. Uh, we also have Lagos, which is, I mean, you know, capital city, uh, but it also just means lakes in Portuguese, I believe, or lake. And then Portimao, so the like elf I said, who's the archer in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> where's Where's Gimli? <laughs> Turn for here. We, um, MotoGP was just at uh, uh, the. Uh, uh, motorland uh, aragon oh of course yeah 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 it's almost like um it's almost like middle earth is based on some sort of uh european uh uh history um tolkien big f1 fan 
token F1 fan. Portimao, though, <laughs> turn 10 and 11. Uh, I'm interested in it because it's a little double apex after this little arena section. And I was I was trying, I was watching onboard on it. And I was like, this turn exists somewhere else and it's an overtaking spot and I could not figure it out. And I went to look at all the F1 maps and I eventually found it. It's turn seven and eight in Interlagos. Do you remember where Hamilton went up the inside on the last lap of Albon last year? Yes. Do you remember there's like, it's a, it's a quite a, a, a tight turn. Yeah. But the turn before it isn't tight. So you can kind of throw yourself into it, right? Uh-huh. So that so turn 10 and 11, I think, is where we're going to see some overtaking action here because you can kind of overcook it into the first part of this turn and then dive, especially with the wide um, circuit we have here, the wide track. Uh, I think you can kind of do that same trick that you do in Interlagos where you sort of overcook it and go down the inside. I think it's possible here on this uh, Portimao, uh, which is turn 10 and 11. It's uh, they, they refer to the whole configuration as Portimao there. Um, so yeah, that's kind they, of where I think you there should are, Yeah, there are a lot of turns here. Um, yeah. But I think, as we've seen in a lot of other tracks, even when there is a turn, sometimes in F1 cars, they don't really treat them as turns because they just have so much grip. <laughs> so I wonder if if turn nine, even before that, if they're going to lift very much. Yeah, true. It's it's kind of hard to get a sense of... If the if the car... The thing with wide tracks as well is that you, you, you do get more... Um, it's like apex forgiveness or whatever, right? You have more uh, turning. Even if the apex of the turn itself is quite tight, if the track is wide, then you have more to play with, so you can go in hotter. Um, and it's hard to tell because I was looking at the um, the A1 footage and you're kind of like, oh yeah, they're lifting here. And like maybe, maybe you have to lift a little bit on the crazy, like the exiting corner on this turn 15 gallop you refer to is um, the F1 configuration is crazy. It's pretty wide. Like it's, it's a pretty long turn, which I think is them trying to make it so you take this flat out. Because I think in the other GP version of it, it's the tighter one you see on this map drew. So I think they were lifting out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's like turn two is the same thing. It's like kind of a non-corner a little bit. Looks like the first turn in Sochi. You know what I mean? Where it's like, not really mm-hmm. a turn just means you you point the car slightly further away from the sun um so we'll have to see i think practice is going to be fun here because you're going to have a lot of drivers who've never driven here before but some of them have danny ricardo charles leclerc valtteri botas all did it in junior series so it's not like it's not like we've all got virgin uh wheels on this track well um there is even more there are even more uh, wrenches to be thrown into this machine i think because of the weather it's gonna be another chilly one mm. um qualifying day looks to be about 66 fahrenheit or 19 celsius um and race day a little warmer at uh 68 and 20 um wind let's see here about seven miles an hour or uh 11 kilometers an hour on qualifying day picks up though for race day 15 miles an hour out of the what is that the uh the southwest um or 24 kilometers an hour but the big disparity here is in precipitation two percent on qualifying day race day 40 oh nice yeah that's beautiful oh my goodness yeah high humidity on both days though yeah that should be we'll have to see i think it's going to be a fun race regardless of if we get a little bit of bit of rain but it could end up being a very interesting uh weekend if we get a little bit of spitting on the track 
Well, we've got uh, some interesting battles in the Drivers' Championship. Not in the front. Lewis Hamilton has 230 points. Valtteri Bottas, uh, <laughs> what is that, 69 points behind? 161. Nice. Max Verstappen has 147. Uh, then we've got Danny Rick in fourth place with 78. Sergio Perez in fifth place with 68. And then Lando Norris, 65. Wow. Alex Albon with 64. Charles Leclerc with 63. Uh, Lance Stroll in ninth place with 57. Pierre Gasly's got 53. Uh, Carlos Sainz has 51. And then a bit of a jump back to Esteban Ocon in 12th with 36. Uh, Sebastian Vettel has 17. <laughs> I'm Daniel laughing Kibiat, at what's about to come up. Fifteen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 14. And number 15, Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> hanging in there. 10 points. Uh, that's 15. seven ahead of Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean both have two points. K-Mag with one. And then Nicholas Latifi and George Russell with zero. Nico Hulkenberg. How many? Did he just do the two races this year? Yeah. Ten points. He's out-qualified. He's out. He's higher than six other drivers. That's something else. <laughs> Good job. Uh, in, in Constructors, Mercedes uh, on top with 391. Red Bull has 211. Uh, Racing Point has 120. This is also pretty close. McLaren has 116, and Renault has mm. 114. Yeah. So third place, totally up for grabs. A lot of money. Um, and, and who would have thought it was up for grabs the start of the season? Who would have said Ferrari yeah. would be out of the top three, let alone the top five? Yeah, they're in six with 80 points. Alpha Tauri has 67. Alpha Romeo has five. Gene Haas and team with three, and Williams still with the goose egg. Come on, Williams. Make it happen. Get some rain this weekend. Uh, if you'd like to make fantasies happen, you can do Ooh. so in our Shift F1 Only Fantasy fans. League. Join uh, with the link in the show notes. Um, should we take just some emails, Danny? Here? Let's do it. Shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or F1.cool. Sorry, F1.cool slash emails. I'll take this first one. Hi, guys. Interesting thing I found in the official Honda. Sorry, this is from Paul, by the way. Um, official Honda exit press release. Uh, which he's linked here, we'll put in the show notes. They explicitly mention FCV, full cell vehicles, as something they want to focus on in the future. While it is still not clear how well this technology will be suited for consumer cars, I still think it will be an interesting way to go for F1. Formula E has an exclusive deal with the FAA for electric open wheel racing. So if F1 mm. wants to be at the forefront of the technology, it seems like the best option. Uh, love the pot. Have a great day. From Paul, and then did you collect this uh, this line from Cyril Abitaboul? I did. Yes. Do you want to? Do you want me to read it? Do you want me to read it? Uh, go for it. Okay. I just wanted to give you a shout out for doing the research. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> steal your steal your, all your work. Um, I okay. think that means what matters. Oh, sorry, this is from Cyril Abitaboul, uh, team principal of uh, Renault F1 team. A line is from Autosport. I think. What that matters most is that we define what is the right technology for the next generation, he said. There are many technologies that are emerging. We see that the automotive world is full of doubts. A few years ago, we were never talking about hydrogen. It's the new up and coming. Um, Will it be adequate or appropriate for Formula One? Who knows? I don't know. I think it's important to pause a bit and wait. uh, Sorry, make the right decision. But having said that, maybe one thing we could do uh, is uh, do a do a group that could be a joint group of people, of experts between all manufacturers, just like we worked on breathing systems for COVID. It was amazing to see uh, this actual collaboration between teams. That's something we could do to do advanced research, uh, advanced study for the next generation of power unit to make 
sure that is right in terms of uh, the show, in terms of cost, in terms of competitiveness, and in terms of a marketing platform. We should do that sooner rather than later. That's an interesting uh, proposition, just having a sort of a, a, a an expert, you know, instead of sort of pushing against each other to, to be number one, to collaborate a bit and try and, you know, use their resources pooled and their expertise to come up with something um, that works for everyone. Yeah, I, it sort of is in line with a few other quotes that we've seen from people like Ross Braun, who was saying, uh, you know, we need to be working with engine manufacturers to see what they actually want to create before we set the standard or the, you know, the formula um, next right. in 2026. Um, and something Toto Wolf said that was, you know, right, uh, right there with my heart is that, um, like you just said this week, like Formula One does a terrible job at promoting the fact that they are a hybrid racing series like yeah, it's sort true. of a footnote that no one knows about yeah um like it's it's one of the things that when i'm explaining formula one to someone for the first time uh i i say like formula one they're actually hybrid cars and they go what really so i think they could really hammer that a little harder um and i forget it yeah uh, yeah and i think hydrogen is really interesting uh chain bear actually has a great video on um the sort of state of hydrogen how it differs like there's two different ways you can go with hydrogen you can do hydrogen fuel cells like um uh, paul's email mentions uh and i think probably what what cyril is uh is talking about or you could do hydrogen combustion engines um how do those differ between each other how do they differ between like what you see in formula e which is just batteries so um i will link that in the show notes as well nice i think this next email is for you Yes, uh, this comes from Kurt. Um, Kurt says, I have somewhat accepted that all tires now are merely soft, medium, or hard, and I find the C1 through C5 only marginally less confusing than DEFCON 1 through DEFCON 5. (laughs) DEFCON 5, of course, being the softest compound, while C1 is the highest state of defense readiness. Uh, My question, though, is uh, when was the last time Pirelli skipped a tire in the range to go on an extra compound, harder or softer. Every 2020 race has featured consecutive tires in the range. Uh, Sochi was C3, 4, and 5. Nürburgring was C2, 3, 4, etc. Uh, additionally, can any of you see Pirelli skipping a compound in the future to go super soft, uh, C2, C3, C5, or super hard, C1, C3, C4, uh, at a future race to account for some, some of the more unique weather tire wear combinations? Uh, thanks for the great show week after week, Kurt. Um, number one, I really love uh, the DEFCON comparison because <laughs> I can never remember uh, what whether C1 is the hardest or the softest. Right. Um, but now, uh, now I can because DEFCON 1, C1, C1 is the hardest. DEFCON 1 is the, the I guess... It's really hard to survive a nuclear apocalypse. It starts at five, right? The first DEFCON. Like if we are entering yes, DEFCON. Fi- five is peaceful. Yes. And then DEFCON one is nuclear war. Okay. That, that I know. That is, again, this is what speaks to me. DEFCON, I understand. Uh, C1, yeah, I guess you get, yeah, C5 is soft. It's all soft and pillowy and peaceful. 
and then defcon 1 c1 that's, <laughs> that's hard. not gonna work i'm gonna ask you in a week and you're not gonna be able to know which way <laughs> right i'm gonna go like well wait is defcon <laughs> is five because it's the most no i don't know <laughs> um i want to say that they've done this in the c era they have skipped a tire in the range and done like a uh c1 c3 c5 or something yeah um or one three four i don't remember uh kurt actually links a article on the pirelli press site saying um that has all the compounds for 2020 i looked for one for 2019 and it was not easy to find so right um i i want to say they did this and i think there could be i don't think it's out of the question because sometimes we've seen that um Again, I don't remember which race it was from this year, but like one of the uh, compounds was just terrible. Right. So. 10 um, of the 17 races we have run this year has done two, three, four. The middle ones. Okay. Um, And we've only gone to the harder ones. Wait, is C5 it's a C1. C1. C1's hard. Yeah. Okay, so Nuclear got, war is hard. So we've only got, we've only almost five times. We've, I mean, they've edged on the softer side or at least these are the ones nominated we should say sorry this also includes races that have not happened um twice only russia and abu dhabi are the ones where they've gone softy softy which is interesting it makes sense those are really those are hardly used very smooth tracks on hot days i guess russia at the height of the day and then abu dhabi it's like super hot but because it's the evening maybe it cools off a bit that's always the fun part about Abu Dhabi is seeing that 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 big change. That would be the one you'd think they might bring three different types because so much of the weekend is done during the day, and then the race happens a little bit later. Yeah. Oh yeah, good call. It's only been two years, right, since they've started doing this thing. Since we started complaining about the C <laughs> one to five thing. I mean, I, I still am in favor of this. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, I think 2019 was the first time they did mm. it. Decades ago. Uh, this last email comes in from Ryan in Portland. Uh, what does it mean when a team brings a new package to a race weekend? How much of the car can the team change throughout the season? Are there any parts they aren't allowed to work on during the season? And how is it different from changing the setup from race weekend to race weekend? Uh, this week uh, question was inspired by my three-year-old hearing the commentators talking about a new aero packages getting excited about teams getting packages in the mail. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, we could get really in the weeds on this because there are like regulations around tinkering with lots of different parts um, uh, season to season and the amount you're allowed to. But as a sort of general rule, you're allowed to change. You're not allowed to change the engine and you're not allowed to change much of the safety-related equipment. So the survival cell, uh, the halo, the seatbelts, any of that sort of stuff um mid-season that's all locked off um but there is a lot of stuff you can change uh, or replace like there can be hard replacements like this year the teams are allowed an additional mguk replacement to stick in you're allowed to change your gearbox uh, you can change your engine as well that's kind of part of it but generally you, know, you can tweak suspension you can do all that sort of stuff generally i think when the word package is used and it's not really a, t- a technical term within f1 it's more of a uh, idiomatic expression kind of that commentators use I think they are generally referring to the way the car turns up on the Friday 
and generally in relation to hard body changes like the arrow specifically uh, which is very there's a lot of stuff there between barge boards and the front wings rear wings inlets um there's loads of stuff that they can change there and then just like stuff like how low the you know how the suspension is set up how the gears are set up stuff like that um that's kind of how i uh, interpret the word package kind of how they're set up on that friday um what do you think drew yeah i, I would when i hear that i i take that to mean that um something has been upgraded mm. like it is a different part like if if they just like a an engine went kaput in some race and and they put a new one in that's not a new package right it's a new engine it's not a new package um but yeah like an up update to the front wing or something they have a new yeah package is more like an umbrella term for something is new on the car um but if you drill that into it well they have a new front wing so and and those yeah. regulations change year by year, uh, but mo- like uh, there, I think some people think that the cars are sort of hard locked at the start of the year. They are allowed to make changes, and there's usually at least one fairly significant mid-season change for the cars, like where they work on a bunch of stuff based on early race data, and then we'll come to a you know maybe seven or eight races into the season, six or seven races in, um, we'll bring their new package which is their, you know, where they've moved stuff around and, and tweaked various elements of the, the powertrain um, but without touching, you know, the actual engine itself. Yeah, I, I guess it also says to me that it's it's a significant upgrade. Yeah. Like you could, you know, there are side-by-side shots of like a team's front wing from last week to this week and, oh, it's a little different. But when they talk about a package, usually it is probably multiple components, like the front wing and the floor uh, that they have developed over months in the factory to, you know, work well together. And then they've brought it finally to this new race. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's it for emails. Uh, you could also hit us up at shift F one on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That is us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Let's Danny? race around the world. Yeah. Who did that last well, week? Well, we have <laughs> we have uh, IndyCar this weekend, the Firestone Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg, Florida. Uh, we have a second outing at uh, Motorland Aragon in nice. <laughs> in uh, Spain, Middle Earth for MotoGP. Uh, the Motocross Grand Prix is in Belgium. And we have, let's see, Super GT at the Suzuka Circuit in Eno, Suzukashi, mm. Mie <gasps> Prefecture. Oh, great prefecture. That's a good one. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is, is what? They're all great. They're all the prefectures, unique yeah. way. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Texas Motor Speedway is hosting the Xfinity Series for the auto, uh, or sorry, the O'Reilly Auto Parts 300. O'Reilly. Uh, <laughs> that's right. You're your countryman. Yeah. Uh the Camping World Truck Series is at the Texas Motor Speedway as well for speedycash.com 400. <laughs> and we got NASCAR. Hey, is that Payday Loan Company? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Shit. You 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 could look it up while I get it's through. It's un-American this one. to me. Handouts. Oh, you know what? <laughs> 
Well, it's not an American. It's the what? Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500. Echo Park. That's my favorite yeah. part of Los Angeles. It's my favorite. Who who had a, what band had a, an album called Echo Park? I, I don't know. Johnny Cash. <laughs> nope. Oh, it was Feeder. <laughs> Feeder did. You probably don't know Feeder, do you? <laughs> no, do not. That's a, that's a Welsh rock band from Wales. <laughs> I do love Wales. Uh, and Formula One, wouldn't you know it, they're racing this weekend, Friday, October 23rd, kicking off first practice at 6 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, Ooh. followed by second practice at 10 a.m., also on ESPN2. Saturday, October 24th at 6 a.m. is third practice, followed by qualifying uh, at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Third practice, by the way, on ESPN and qualifying on ESPN 2. And then the Portuguese Grand Prix live Sunday, October 25th at 8.10 Eastern Time on ESPN 2. The Deuce. The Deuce. That's right. That's it. That's the race. And that's it. Not much going on this week. Although we always manage to fill an hour, at least. At least. We're chatty. We're just cat. We're just catching up between this and our weekly, our biweekly D and D thing we do privately. <laughs> which, what's your character's name again? Uh, I believe I'm Drusifer. Drusifer. The, uh, the uh, what is? What am I playing? It's like a, it's like a god or something. This is, see, that's the problem. Is that today is the the longest it's been since we've done it because it's tomorrow. It is. We do it. <laughs> I'm Shepherd, and I am a. I'm a bard. I'm a warforged barge. Yeah, bard. Yeah. I'm we're, an, doing, we're doing great. An, an asthma? Just wants to put everything on fire. I'm an, excuse true. me. What did you call me? And I, I am an asthma. Oh, okay. You can do whatever you do in your privacy of your own home is fine. Uh, well, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. I am excited for uh, a track I've never seen before. Danny, me too. how about you? Yeah, I mean, this has been the, like, the, this whole season has been, the whole year is bizarre, everything's weird. The best thing about this season is that we've gotten to race on all these mad tracks, like ones we haven't raced on in a long time, like Hockenheim Ring, or sorry, Nürburgring, uh, or some of these new ones, new challenges, enter the arena. We don't get it all that often, and and when we do, it's usually kind of a safe bet because it's somewhere we're going to race for the next six, seven years, right? But these are all just kind of wild cards. Uh, so it's fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Portugal in October. Who would have thought? Yeah, more more wild cards for me, please. Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Mm-hmm.